This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Consulting, leading experts for assessing and transforming management, sales, culture, and team performance. Learn more at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. The power of positivity. We're talking positive things today, Lee, with Dr. Joey Fawcett. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Manage Smarter. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm Vice President of Communications for Sales Fuel. And I'm Celie Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. And you're so right, Audrey, because there's, it's so easy to be negative these days. And so you, it's so easy to find reasons to be negative and, and down in the dumps and you know, not be optimistic. So sometimes we have to work a little hard at it. So that's why we have the, the good doctor with us today. Yeah, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Guys, this is a treat. He is the author of two number one bestsellers, Faith Positive and Negative World, which uh, you wrote, Joey, with uh, Mike Van Franken, correct? That's exactly right. And Work Positive in a Negative World. He has written seven books and contributed to numerous others and is the founder of Listen to Life 2, a coaching company that develops leaders, engages employees, and transforms culture. His Get Positive Coaching and Coach Training programs impact Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 50 companies, actually, family-owned businesses and governmental organizations. Also the host of a popular podcast called Faith Positive Radio, Faith Positive TV, Work Positive TV, and Live Positive, which are now watched in over 50 countries. Dr. Fawcett, thanks for coming. Oh, it is my pleasure. It's my you need pleasure. more to do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, my wife and I are at that awkward stage of life. Our daughters are grown and gone, and we don't have grandchildren yet. So I just decided to do a bunch of stuff. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I, I told Lee that our first question was going to be, I love this, what do you and Colonel Sanders have in common? Hopefully you both like fried chicken from KFC. But I think that I, when I was doing my homework for this, it's an it's an excellent lesson. So kind of tell people how you group that together with 1929 and I I I do this all the time, and I've got to say hats off to Audrey or hair off in my case to Audrey. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) That's the most unique question I've ever gotten. I absolutely love it, and it shows you did some homework. Yeah. Well. (laughs) <laughs> Lee, you're right. Uh, it, it's comfort food for me. And uh, I'm, I'm from the South, obviously. So I need my grease changed every now and then. So <laughs> we, we go eat. Uh, the thing with Colonel Sanders was when I wrote um, Work Positive in a Negative World, I was doing my research during the Great Recession, we called it. I don't know why we celebrate things like recessions and depressions, but anyway, we call it. 2008, you were right. Yeah, that's right. And so I mean, my the, wife. The looked, terrible depression. I don't know. Why is it great? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, so my wife looked at me one day and, and uh, speaking engagements, training and development, things like that. Budgets have been slashed all over the place. So I was home and she wasn't used to that. So she looked at me and she said, don't you have some place to go or shouldn't you be somewhere? So I said, oh, better get out of the house. So I went to the library or something. No, I went to Starbucks where everybody goes, right? And I started doing research about the Great Depression. Now, that's back when it was an economic term instead of a medical term, right? And, and so I said, there's got to be some folks that started businesses that are thriving today, and they did it in the worst economic conditions ever. Because typically, everybody makes money when the markets are up and you know things are moving forward. But when it gets tough, you find out what are the enduring principles? What are the things that 
the, the behaviors, the human behaviors that sustain, that grow and sustain a company. And so I ran into a bunch of people and, and Colonel Sanders was one of them. He was an auto mechanic. His first wife divorced him, right? Because he couldn't keep a job. Hey, don't you know she wanted that one back? <laughs> he was working so, with Greece even then. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's the way I like to tell the story, Lee, is he swapped motor oil grease. For <laughs> so he, he started a little restaurant there uh, in, his, in his garage, and people loved eating his chicken. And then the government, who's always here to help you, uh, put in an interstate, right? And it took traffic away, so nobody was coming to his garage or to his restaurant. And uh, so he filed for bankruptcy. Now, he was 66 years old when he filed for bankruptcy. That was ancient back during the Great mm -hmm. Depression. People just didn't live that long. Um, and so he filed for bankruptcy. But what he had left from the bankruptcy was a station wagon, a few chicken legs and, and thighs, and uh, 11 secret herbs and spices. So he set off on, um, on a trip teaching other people how to make chicken his way. And the rest is uh, my comfort food. <laughs> Global like history, story. yes. Yeah, it's absolutely marvelous. So the, the whole key to that story and what I share in common with him is, you know, we can expect adversity. In fact, in our coaching programs, we talk about, we, we help people understand how to expect adversity, how to engage adversity, and how to endure adversity. So if you're waiting for the perfect time to start your business, get a promotion, do whatever it is that is your inner dream that you're called to do, it's not going to happen. You got it. Today's the day to start and you figure it out as you go along. And so it's a matter of perseverance and endurance oftentimes just grinding it out. That's what I Colonel Sanders did. I think another lesson there too is like if you're in your forties, fifties, sixties, and beyond, you know, and you think that uh, you know, geez, I, I, I'm a little too old to be starting up something new because I, mm -hmm. you, you see, I'm not one of these young kids running around in their hoodies, you know, out, <laughs> out on the West Coast. And uh, but here's Colonel Sanders is like, you know, sixty-six back then is like, what would you say is probably close, uh, akin to like eighty-six today or something like yeah, that? I mean, it's like, yeah, exactly. And, and look what he started. He started something that we all know, know and love worldwide. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, for, by the way, even fried chicken these days, too, has even gone upscale. I'm going off on a tangent here, Audrey, but I'll bring it back. I was I like, we're, okay. I'm sorry, where are you going with this? I was like, it's yeah. chicken, okay? Yeah. Uh, like, but, you know, over in, over in, uh, in Virginia, where you are, or by Washington, we have one of these in Columbus now that, that fried chicken's even going upscale now. There's a place called Hen Quarter. Uh, and it's like, and, and you can go in there at, for two people, get easily drop a hundred bucks eating fried chicken, but it's, it's amazing. I don't know what yeah. they do with it. Uh, but nonetheless, it just goes to show, I mean, but it's like, if it wasn't for Colonel Sanders doing what he did, was, I, I wonder if we would be at that place. That's exactly so, right. But yeah. yeah, you're never too old to start something. New. Never, 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 ever. And in fact, uh, today with medicine being what it is, who knows how long we're going to live and just continue to live as long as they put bionic parts in us. Right. Right. Uh, my dad's 81 just had a stent put in the Widowmaker artery. One of the few people I've ever known who actually got a warning about that before the wow. big one happened. Uh, they were talking about dietary changes, one of my daughters and my wife and all. And I was like, hey, the guy's 81. All of his arteries are clean except for one. They stented that. Give him a half gallon of briars, put him in his favorite chair with a spoon and <laughs> cut the lights out. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like a recipe for a good time for me. Do whatever you want at whatever age you want. It's just a matter of redefining reality. And that's the subtitle to the work positive book. Redefine your reality and achieve your business dreams. You keep doing what you've been doing, guys. You're going to get what you always got. Mm -hmm.
you yeah. choose to follow the five core practices of a work positive lifestyle, you can make your business dreams come true. Well, that was so, going to be my next question yeah. is work positive. What are the five components? Sell us. Yeah. You like that setup? I teed I that do. right up. Didn't I? Yeah. Uh, so I'll go through them quickly. Uh, the first one, it all starts and stops in your head. Okay. It's in your mind. Uh, really it is not, not those voices, but it's in your mind. We refer to that as the perceived core practice where you focus on the positive and you filter out the negative. So the assumption is there's always going to be something negative, not just in election years like this year, right? Even if it's a midterm election, right? Um, but, but there's always some negative news. By the way, most of the news media is hot wired for negative news. They monetize negativity. It's their job that bleeds it leads. Oh, yeah. Watch any newscast, listen to it. It starts with the bloodiest story first and then works it down. And if you have not taken your own life by the end of the newscast, right, because you're just so depressed from the negativity, then they'll give you a feel-good story. So, if you again, if you depend on the conditions around you and the world around you to give you positive thoughts, it's not going to happen. You choose to work the muscle memory in your mind and focus on the positive, filter out the negative. Second thing is the conceive core practice, and this has to do with your social relationships, the social dynamic of work positive. Uh, Jim Rohn, my favorite business philosopher, oftentimes said, you're the average of the five people with whom you spend the most time. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. Mm. Look around. Audrey, you're in big trouble staying around Lee so much. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my problem. Okay. <laughs> What we help companies do and individuals do is to look at who those five people are and to create work positive dream teams and also to learn how to deal with your vampires, we call them, negative people, without becoming one yourself. And that's supremely important. We could do a whole show on that. So you yeah, perceive it in your mind, you conceive it socially. The third thing is you believe it emotionally. Somewhere between two-thirds and three-fourths of all American workers, when surveyed, say they are disengaged at work, dissatisfied, very dissatisfied. Can you imagine the, the latent energy, emotional energy in this country if we could just release, say, one-third of that, get it to where half of all American workers are dissatisfied or disengaged? Man, you, you, you're looking at imagination, whether Napoleon Hill talked about creative and synthetic imagination. Either kind would just innovation, disruption. We would set the world on fire with innovation, right? So how do we engage people around their intention and get them to believe that they really can redefine their reality and achieve their dreams? So that's the emotional dynamic. The physical dynamic is the achieve core practice, which is really uh, best talked about in the achievement prescription. And that's the first three core practices, the perceive, conceive, and believe. You pay attention to positive thoughts and positive people that's perceive and conceive plus believe, right? Those are your positive intentions plus action. <laughs> negativity parallel. I'm laughing because this is the place where people just look at me like action. Uh, negativity <laughs> paralyzes people. Fear paralyzes people. And whether it's fear of perfection, fear of failure, I mean, we can go through a whole laundry list, right? Uh, whatever fear it is, whatever false evidence there is appearing real before you keeps you from acting. If you'll just act and, and the companies that are succeeding today create a fail forward kind of environment where we make new mistakes faster and that's what we want to do. And so that's how you really manage people smarter, right? Is just create that. It's, it's almost like a gaming environment. You know, how do you, how do you learn a game? Well, you 
have to virtually die a few times to figure out where <laughs> right. not to go and where to go. So you just keep failing forward and moving forward. So you perceive it mentally, conceive it socially, believe it emotionally, achieve it physically. And then the fifth core practice that I found when studying guys like Colonel Sanders and others really surprised me because I thought, well, you got all your positive results here. You achieve the positive at work. What else could there be? You know, your sales are up, productivity's up. You're getting out of the office earlier to go do what you love with those you love. I mean, life is good, right? But the really the one, that fifth one that keeps the whole wheel of work positive turning is what we call the receive core practice. This is where you go that extra mile to say thank you to everybody that touches your business, whether it's customers and clients, vendors, suppliers. Uh, if you take care of your teams, they're going to take care of your customers mm -hmm. who will take care of you. You know, so it's, it's just a total 360 gratitude. So we teach the gratitude diary where you're writing three positive experiences from the day each evening to sow positive thoughts in your mind. Um, and you're just giving yourself into your community, wherever you are, whether you're running a mom and pop grocery store or whether you're running a fortune 50 company in you know, Chicago, you can say thank you in very specific ways. And, and we help you understand those ways. So those are the five core practices. I was giving a presentation to the C-Suite Network in New York City uh, recently, and one of the things that I, I was sharing with them is, is, is something I believe in, which is, you know, I asked the question, why do some plants uh, thrive in one garden but die in another? Mm. And I, I believe it's the same reason why, this, why some employees are, who are successful elsewhere, when they come to your company, then just seem to underachieve for whatever reason. You know, it's either the gardener, which is usually the direct manager, or it's the environment, the, the culture. And you make reference to good soil in, in one yeah. of your books. I'd like to kind of hear you expound about what you meant by that. Yeah, man, thanks. That's one of my favorite stories. I love that. I live on a little horse farm here in Virginia. And so what I discovered was I was out sowing seeds in a pasture one day. And I'm, I'm rather a maniacal seed scatterer. <laughs> I'm just, I throw seed everywhere, man. <laughs> it's, it's like all you're feeding the chickens. It's just like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're like what did I my find? I can't will, remember what this is. Yes. Yeah, my wife won't let me have chickens. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this whole Back podcast is about again. chicken. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I can see tonight with my wife. Honey, what'd you talk about today? Oh, on that podcast, chicken. No, chicken. So we're talking about chicken. Manage chicken. smarter chicken. Yeah. yeah, the American Chicken Society. <laughs> <laughs> sponsored our program anyway it's a horse pasture and so I'm, I'm scattering seed out there and i just noticed that seed in different places grew in different ways uh the horses walk through the pasture so they you know plow down these pads and that, that's really hard soil so some of that seed fell on that hard soil just didn't grow up at all and and yet I knew that seed was good. It, it just didn't grow up in that soil. And then uh, as hard as I might try to keep weeds out of my horse pasture, they get in my horse pasture. And uh, I need to get goats to eat the weeds, I guess, but she won't let me have goats either. So anyway, so I noticed that it looked like the grass started growing in the weeds, but it just couldn't get enough of a foothold to grow above the weeds where it could get the sunlight necessary to, to really grow. So it died out. And then we live on what I sometimes euphemistically refer to as a Virginia rock garden farm because oh, yes. the soil is rather clay. I mean, it's not quite Rocky Mountain hard like out in Denver where you are, Audrey. But nonetheless, we get, it seems like every time it rains, <laughs> they sprout like potatoes. So uh, I pile up rocks around the base of trees. 
and some of the seed fell over there. You see a little bit of green pop up, but it didn't really stand a chance. But the good soil was that soil where there were fewer weeds, fewer rocks, and it was not hard. It was soft enough to where the seed could penetrate and then grow up. Now, same seed in all four categories, right? Same seed in all four places. Great seed. When the seed hit the good soil, it grew up and, and began to take over and crowded out any weeds or anything else that might be around. And so that became the forage that the horses needed. So the goal as we manage people, lead people in companies is to find out where is their best soil? What, you know, how can we create good soil? I mean, I have, and I liken weeds and rocks to bad habits. Uh, we all have some kind of habit that's deleterious to good work, right? To productivity, satisfaction, happiness, the kind of things that we want to achieve at work. So how do I invest in the employees of the company, my partners in the business, how do I invest in them? Now, the way that we do that through our company is we go into other companies with coaching programs, whether we're training coaches or we're doing C-suite coaching or teaching mid-level managers to coach uh, and just help people discover how to unleash that potential in others that moves them from weedy and rocky and hard soil to that good soil that'll grow it up. And that, that good soil is analogous to your culture, right? We talk a lot about culture change and you know, that, it's almost a buzzword to hear, hear people talking about culture, yeah. right? But man, it's like, like I was doing a, a first call with a company that shall remain nameless, you know, this is like Harry Potter, right? He who shall not be named. And uh, so, Enterprises, yeah. <laughs> something like that. So we're talking along and, and they wanted their frontline supervisors to stop cussing out the workers. Cussing out, really? Yeah, they were. Okay. I'm from the South, so we say cussing out. You okay. know, I mean, cursing their, cursing. their frontline workers. Wow, okay, sure. And, and I'm like, okay, all right. Um, and, and so they want us to come in and do a conflict management workshop or something like that. <laughs> anger management, something like that. And I'm thinking, hmm, I'm not sure we, that's going to help. So I just said to them, you know, just through a series of powerful coaching questions, just started asking questions and ask them, well, what's the culture that in, in which supervisors get away with cussing out the frontline workers? You know, what, what trickles down? What are the KPIs from the C-suite coming on down that say this is acceptable behavior? They didn't want to talk about that. They wanted to come in and play whack-a-mole with supervisors who were cussing. Yeah. So the word culture is one that's easy to throw around, Lee. But yes, you're exactly right. It's that culture. It's that soil in which we grow teams who invite customers to come and enjoy a product or service, and we all do business together. What do you think the biggest obstacles to having a positive work environment are? And, and then I guess I would, the follow-up would be is like, how do we overcome that? Yep. Everybody's looking for the magic bullet. Well, first of all, <laughs> well, just one, give us one. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, recognize that your culture didn't get the way it is today overnight. Okay. It, it's been death by a thousand cuts mm -hmm. and it's just been coming at you slowly, but surely. And you've allowed some creep of some values that you didn't particularly treasure to come in. Um, typically though, what we get, what, what we hear from, you know, from a, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but from a family systems standpoint, we get the symptom bearers often from companies. 
And, and so it's not always a C-suite, but it might be a mid-level manager who needs to do some training, has some training dollars and, you know, come in here and help us do this. So one of the places where we find, again, it starts and stops in your head. One of the places we find that people really get empowered is all around focusing on positive thoughts and filtering out the negative ones. You know, just little things like no response is in itself a response. No. Just because somebody says something to you that you don't like does not mean you have to respond in like kind. So just teaching people the difference between reacting and responding is huge. And that empowers them. Okay. If I redefine my reality in that way, what are some other ways that I can redefine my reality? And so the ability to choose Lee, I would have to say would be one big way that you can turn it around. And it won't turn around overnight either. Like you said, it took a long way to get bad and Mm -hmm. takes a while to get it back to the new place, right? Absolutely. And leadership makes a tremendous difference in that. It takes a lot of commitment because things have been this way so long, Audrey, that you get some emotional mutiny when you start trying to change. <laughs> and uh, yeah, everybody wakes up in the morning. Oh, I hope they change the way we work today. You know, I mean, <laughs> right? That's the first thing I say. Yeah. Would you please, would you please move my cheese for me today? Yeah, move move, move your day. coffee maker, I believe is how you termed it, right? <laughs> Jeez, you guys actually read my book. <laughs> this is impressive. Yeah. Yes. My, my wife does enjoy shuffling the kitchen around from time to time. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, the website to reach Dr. Fawcett is getpositive.today. That's catchy. And your right. Twitter is at Dr. Joey. Mm-hmm. And uh, any other way that you'd like people to reach out to you that are listening? If they have, LinkedIn like, is great. We're yeah. on LinkedIn and we post, uh, you know, great thoughts. Not all of them are mine. Okay. We, we beg, borrow, steal from some tremendous <laughs> thought leaders. Uh, Tim Sanders happens to be one of my favorites. So I enjoy uh, putting stuff from Love is a Killer app, his book on Tuesdays, which is Conceive. We, we do a core practice each day of the week. Monday is Perceive, Tuesday Conceive, Wednesdays Believe, Thursdays Achieve, and Fridays Receive. So we're constantly putting out, like on Fridays, when we're recording this today, there's a hour, hourly, I think it is, that they're doing now, uh, some kind of positive statement about gratitude that's going out on Fridays. So we hear from people all over the world, really, who just soak this up. And that's a testament to really how desperately negative things are out in the world, how much work we all have to do to help each other. So get on LinkedIn so you can see that feed, everybody. And uh, what a pleasure this has been. Thanks so much for joining us. You guys are so much fun, and I'm so humbled to be on your show today. Thank you. And and it would be an appropriate way to wrap this up by saying it's like if you're in Columbus, Ohio, uh, you know, know, come be my guest. We'll go down the road about an hour and a half to Athens, Ohio, to Miller's Chicken, which is, I think, (laughs) pound for pound, the best fried chicken anywhere you know, even though it, it might be i don't know if it's north or south of what you call the sweet tea line but it's like, it's, <laughs> nonetheless it's fantastic and i'll be happy to take you there uh well sounds like a plan get, you guys get the suv warmed up that's right <laughs> <laughs> thanks joey thank you thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show please rate and recommend on itunes overcast or wherever you get your podcasts You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.